By now, you've all heard of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0, the latest book published by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's more than just another wine book. The fully updated second edition was inspired by students of the Vinitali International Academy and painstakingly reviewed and revised by an expert panel of certified Italian wine ambassadors from across the globe. The book also includes an edition by Professore Attilio Scienza, Italy's leading vine geneticist. The benchmark producer's feature is a particularly important aspect of this revised edition. The selection makes it easier for our readers to get their hands on a bottle of wine that truly represents a particular grape or region. To pick up a copy, just head to Amazon.com or visit us at MamaJumboShrimp.com. Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us each week to learn more about the U.S. market. Hello, welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome back to the Italian wine podcast, Josh Wand. Josh is an entrepreneur who creates businesses that power the growth of consumer brands by connecting people, technology, and community. His entrepreneurial journey began in 2007 when he founded Force Brands, the leader in strategic hiring for consumer brands that offers a full spectrum of services for executive recruitment, as well as a job board for consumer brand professionals. While Josh and I haven't had the chance to meet yet in person, I've been following his work closely and very excited to have him on the show today. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast, Josh. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to join you. Yeah, thank you. Well, to start off and before we dive into some of the the meat of today's conversation, tell us a little bit more about the inspiration behind Force Brands and what led you to create the company back in 2007. Thank you for asking. I originally started in the wine and spirits business, actually. When I was in college, I was uh, deeply passionate about wine and early on in my career, um, won a scholarship that was offered by Cobrand. It was called the Rudolph Seacop Scholarship, where you got to go make wine and study with winemakers in Europe for like three months cool. with other students, which was really cool. And then I ended up working for Southern Wine and Spirits early on in my career. And I got totally into wine and took my wine SOM certification exam. I think I was 21. Wow. And then actually ended up working with an Italian wine importer at the time it was named... Uh, AV Imports, which then sold to Coder New, which became Avenue Brands. Right, right. Okay. I was there for a couple of years, but I got to go to Italy quite a bit and study all the Italian wine regions and just was deeply passionate about that space. After that, ended up hooking up with one of my bosses at Southern Wine Spirits who was starting a rum company. Mm-hmm. And he asked me to join him early on to build an organization from scratch. It was called Monte Cristo Rum at the time. We licensed the, the rum trade, <laughs> the cool. cigar trademark, Cuban and Spanish government to create Monte Cristo Rum, which was way before super premium spirits or craft spirits were really a thing. This was in 2002. And so during that time, I was tasked with building the team. And I would run into other entrepreneurs that were out there at trade shows or general sales meetings and say, how do y'all find talent? Like, what do you do if you're looking for executive leadership or board members or sales leaders or marketing leaders or finance leaders? And they said, well, you know what? There's really no major players in the space. Um, There's the global strategic recruitment companies that aren't specialists, Mm -hmm. but there was really no um, national platform at the time. So having been 
deeply connected to humans my whole life and had a natural knack for bringing people together, um, I realized there was a huge gap and an opportunity to build a recruitment and strategic board building platform for initially the beverage alcohol space. That's where we started. Hence, Force Brands in 2007. Yeah. So it really came out of your own need as you were building businesses and recognizing uh, a lack in the space and a blank space. I believe it's less about product market fit and it's more about uh, founder Mm -hmm. product fit. Like, what do you deeply love? You know, right. what drives you, what taps into your magic. And mine has always been bringing people together. And I realized like the one thing that builds these brands and these companies, it's the humans. Everyone can talk about brand all day long, but it's the people <laughs> behind the brand that bring it to life. Totally. Exactly. And now that's a, a great story of, of how you came today to Force Brands. So really excited to kind of dive in today. You know, in today's episode, we want to talk about how the job force has shifted in the U.S. since the pandemic. There's been so many changes in the workforce, especially in the beverage alcohol industry, but in so many industries. So we're really looking to hear your expertise and insights in in this space. So for today's masterclass, our, our three key takeaways are going to be, number one, the key differences in the average wine salesperson today versus pre-pandemic. So really diving in, into that space and and how that how that job has changed. Number two, what wineries should know about the the quote unquote new workforce and and new habits that are becoming the norm, especially in the U.S. market. And then number three, how wineries and wine companies can attract the most talented salespeople and representatives to their business and companies. So, you know, we're going to really focus, like you said, on, on the people that drive these businesses and, and how that's all changed. So well, let's dive in. I'm excited. I'm happy to. So I'll take the first uh, point of the key differences in the average wine salesperson today versus the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about it. I would say number one is there's more technology and data at your fingertips. It's become much more streamlined. And I believe the wine industry really caught up over the pandemic and realized you can leverage that. It can be your friend, which basically means salespeople can spend more time in a consultative way advising their customers on the right product fit, whether that's it, you know, on-premise building wine lists or or wine programs or off-premise. Instead of just taking orders, you can tap into these incredible systems that exist like Proof or Account360 or Provi, many of these other systems where a lot of the automation takes away the administrative work. So you as a salesperson can be become more of an advisory sales consultant. Got it. Mm-hmm. Tap into the beauty of all these products that you represent. And that's really what great beverage managers and buyers want. They want true expression of all the regions of the world. Right. And allowing yourselves to educate them on behalf of the stories of the wine opposed to the price points of the wine, tend to build more meaningful, robust relationships. Right. So really, these technology allows salespersons to become more of a partner to their buyers in terms of providing them with data and and information that shows them why certain products are going to be the best fit for their list or for their program. That's exactly right. Yeah. Super interesting. How do you think, you know, with the advances in technology in this space and in this job, we know the wine industry, especially is such a people-based industry, and so much of business happens in person, over a table, over a glass of wine, right? So how do you balance bringing in the technology, taking things virtual and digital, but while maintaining that human element? I believe you just have to leverage it. You can't fight it. You know, anyone at this stage in the game, regardless of industry, 
can't fight technology. Yeah. You know, you've got to figure out how you can use it to save time so you can engage more on a human level with the people that you're dealing with that are making the decisions that are building these programs. There's still people running these restaurants, these hotels, these national accounts, these major liquor stores, these chains. And the more time you can save them administratively, um, the more opportunity you have when you're with them to have really meaningful conversations about their goals and their vision for the programs. And so Mm -hmm. I would say it's the same in consumer. It's the same in cannabis. It's the same in beauty, personal care. Like you, you leverage it. And the more you try to fight it, probably the less likely you'll be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really fair point, right? It's, you know, life is about change and we move forward and adopt new technologies. I mean, look at what's happening right now with chat GPT. I mean, that's definitely going to change. I know my job in the communication space and we have to embrace it and look at how we can utilize it to be more efficient and admin hours, like you said, and spend more time with, with our, our clients and our people. So, well, well, that's exactly right. I mean, you could go on chat GPT and ask them to craft you, you know, Italian wine list in Puglia, you know, with the top yeah. 10 rated 90 plus wines. Um, you know, $25 price point and they'll do it. But guess what? The the three tier distribution system, they represent those brands and the salespeople represent those brands and the way in which you can show up to provide support for your accounts can be much more meaningful. Right. So there's a way to really leverage that to get creative yourself as a salesperson to think about new innovative ways to craft lifts, craft programs, look at pricing schematics. Right. So as you start to leverage that, it can really be your friend. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And I think that's the right way to be thinking about things. So, you know, we also wanted to talk about, you know, what wineries should know about this new workforce. You know, there's different habits, especially younger generations, but really across the board, we've all changed. Uh, it's been three years now since the pandemic and we're all, you know, using Zoom more regularly and um, have embraced work from home and, and different technologies. But what do you think are some of the most important things that wineries should consider about this new workforce when they're going into you know a hiring space? This newer workforce, from our experience, wants to align and work with companies they deeply believe in, mm-hmm. um, where they're very mission driven and there's a lot of transparency. Like they want access to leadership. Mm-hmm. They want to be connected. They want their voice to be heard. You know. Um, and, you know, I would say that during COVID, what was really interesting is it was no longer an Oval Office and I got to knock on the door and eventually get to the CEO. Everyone was on Zoom. Right. And so everyone had the opportunity to have a voice and to, and to connect with each other. It removed a lot of these invisible walls. Mm-hmm. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. And what's so interesting now is companies go back to offices and work in hybrid situations is that a lot of the workforce that's like earlier on in the career, um, many of them aren't looking for 10, 15 year careers. You know, they're looking for three to five year careers and they want to move on unless there's an opportunity to rotate with an organization and cross-functionally grow. Unless there's transparency and succession planning and growth planning, and they know they're not just taking a job, but there's a career track. So the companies that build career tracks are the ones that are really going to excel and track the best people and they're going to win, but they are competing with CPG. They're competing with consumer products. They're competing with major food companies, right? You know, major non-alc, beauty personal care companies, pet companies, connected fitness, tech. So 
you've really got to think about your organization is place to foster growth for future leaders in the in the industry because they're going to go where that opportunity exists and they'll stay if it's great right but the days of oh you're lucky to have a job yeah people can think that way even if we go into a recession but the team members want to work with companies where they're appreciated and valued and it's a two-way street you as a founder you as a ceo you as a board you're only as good as the team that represents you so you got to make them feel that way yeah absolutely and i think what you you touched on about transparency is key, right? Really providing access. And that's one one way in which over the last few years, I think we have seen seen that change. Like you said, now we are all together on the same screen or even, you know, the Italian wine podcast, if we look at it, is brought in so many different people to have a voice, be a host, have a show, talk about uh, different different things in the, in the Italian wine industry. But all these new formats are giving so many more people voices and platforms. Um, and the same goes for, for the workforce. So that's a, a really valuable tip. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned a lot of competition with other industries, right? We know that's out there and um, that can be a major challenge for wine companies. So what do you think wineries can do? Wine companies, um, what advantages do they have to attract the most talented people to their company? You know, I would say that in the world of like technology and where we are, like wine and spirits, you know, is clearly one of the most recession resilient categories. Yes. (laughs) Zero question. The economy is good. People are drinking wine. The economy is not so good. People are drinking more wine. Price points may vary, but it is a very stable industry and it will continue to be. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so nervous that cannabis was going to completely rock beverage alcohol and it's it's thrived and cannabis will come around too and it'll be a healthy industry as well once federal regs are lifted. But the wine industry is, is it's here to stay. I really believe that it's such a it's such a crowded category with so many companies. Um, that are focused on the brand in the story of the wine mm. and less on the employer brand, like what it's like to come work here. This is an organization. It's not just a story of the winemaker. It's a place where you can grow your career. Right. And those companies, leadership, human resources, talent acquisition, they can find ways to communicate and demonstrate why it's an exciting place to build your career they're going to have a leg up because that's what people want. They want to understand, like we talked about transparency and what the journey will look like with that organization. So with that, it's like, you got to show growth opportunities. You have to show succession planning. You have to know um, what cross rotational kind of positions might look like. And I believe probably the most important thing in any company this day and age is having really good mentorship programs and career coaching opportunities. Like we're big on coaching in our organization, huge. Um, And we coach all of our managers and leaders. We have outside coaching systems. I believe that the modern day company, if they're not providing that for their team, it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's not to work on KPIs and objectives. It's to work on those humans in your organization that can show up as the best version of themselves and get clarity so they can really add value day to day to what they're doing and feel great about themselves. Because if they feel great in their coach and they have that career therapy, they are going to bring their best. Totally. And they're the ones that are coaching your teams too, right? So you need your leaders to to be strong, to be resilient, but also, like you said, to feel confident in what they're doing as well. Um, I really like what you said too about building the brand of the company, not just the product. So, you know, 
talking about what it's like to work in the space, what what um, the culture of the company is, but really thinking about your company as a, as a brand, just the way you're building the brand for, for your wine label. So I think that's a really, really good takeaway for our listeners um, and definitely something so important to consider. Even ourselves, you know, Colangelo Partners is a communications agency. You know, that's what we do for our clients. Um, and we've, over the last few years, definitely taken more time to think about our own brand and how we communicate because very often, you know, it's getting kind of pushed down to the bottom of the, the to-do list, but it's it's not something you can can yeah, yeah. ignore anymore. Like you said, it's so crucial to to hiring and attracting the best talent is, is building that brand. Yeah, I believe so. It's like, you know, everyone, there's so many great wines out there and those that have this like um, holier than thou, you know, feeling or ego, like our wine is the best. Wine. Yeah, it's a good brand, but like, there's lots of great brands out there. The best organizations have the best people that grow the company way beyond your expectations in sales, marketing, finance, ops. So the brand's only going to get you so far, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's really all about the connectivity to the market and to the trade and understanding how to find ways for that to resonate on multiple levels. And if you really are thoughtful about building a best-in-class company, you're going to be durable for decades and decades and centuries. And if it's just about the brand and just about the founder, then you're probably not going to be successful. Totally. Yeah. I think that's that's really great advice. Um, so, you know, you just, we, we talk, just to talk a little bit more about the company and Force Brands and and what you're doing and, and how it's changed. You, know, you started with a, a focus in the beverage alcohol space, right? But the company's expanded quite a bit. So talk us through a little bit of, of the growth that you've seen within Force Brands since 2007 and maybe some of the lessons you've learned as you've as you've grown the brand as well in the company. Thank you for asking. You really learn as you go by asking a lot of questions to your partners, to clients in the world. Your team is the most important because they're on the front lines. And what became really clear that there was no leadership solutions specifically focused on the on the beverage alcohol industry and now consumer brands as a whole and so we had to be extremely thoughtful in the actual services that we provide and create like dedicated groups focused on that and um, you know it started out as just doing a little recruitment and over 15 years it's it's grown into this division called impactful that's all about strategic board building and executive C-suite placement in organizations at the highest level um, and full integration to run those organizations along with the founding teams, the boards, the private equity groups, the venture capital groups, like real thought leadership. Um, That's a high level retained service called Impactful. Then we have Force Direct Hire, which is for your um, director and management level teams across all functions, sales, marketing, finance, ops, performance, growth, HR, kind of to build your teams. Mm-hmm. And we have a group of about, you know, probably 35 recruiters in-house that, that that deal with that and do an excellent job. And, you know, as companies are evolving, it requires different talent at different inflection points. Getting your business from zero to 10 million is a much different skill set than 10 to 50 and 50 to 200 is a different skill set. And you're a multinational company. Totally. You need different types of talent. And so we have kind of emerging teams, mid-market teams, and then global enterprise teams focused on that type of work. And we also have a technology platform that we built um, in-house, which is basically a a job board 
um, which is a do-it-yourself model for entry-level, junior-level jobs, which don't require recruitment. And through that, um, we morphed into a new um, product called Go Hire, which powers industry trade associations who have incredible followings to let them share job opportunities directly with um, with all of their affiliate members. So Very cool. we have a partnership uh, with Women of the Vine and Spirits, for instance. And so all members are able to kind of share opportunities on that. And then when there's a more strategic role they need to fill, they can tap into, you know, the force brands or the impactful recruiting network as well. So it's all fully integrated ecosystem. Mm-hmm. We call the flywheel to make sure that we're adding value across the board. And these different parts of the, of the you know, impactful force direct job board, it sounds like you created these out of out of needs you were seeing in the market? Like how, how did each of those pieces come to be within Force Brands? Yeah, that's exactly right. It was based on, you know, us speaking with, you know, founders or boards and saying, hey, listen, we need new board members. We need a CEO. We need a CFO, which we do a lot of COO. So we need to make sure these people are in place. But in addition to that, this, you know, um, chief marketing officer needs to hire a VP, a director, someone to run, you know, trade marketing, field marketing, social, digital. So we built out teams for that. We said, well, we're connected to the people. What we don't have any desire of being is transactional. Mm -hmm. You make a placement and you walk away. We say we're not headhunters, we're heart hunters. We are here to help organizations grow meaningfully, impactfully throughout their entire organization, whether it's family owned, they want to stick around for years, or they want to build and sell to a Pernod or Diageo. Right. Um, so, So we're along for those cycles and, you know, each company is different. But what we found to be really powerful is that we have the ability to integrate into work without throughout the whole organization, um, cross-functionally. In some of these companies we worked with, you know, 10, 12, 13 years. Wow. And, um, and then we launched a technology because it was just easy. And we knew that sometimes just LinkedIn or, you know, Monster wasn't enough. There needed to be an industry-specific solution. Yeah. So it's really... Force Brands is doing so much more than, you know, a job board. It's it's really a partner, like you said, with for companies to really grow and be sustainable um, in, in a lot of different ways. To that, the job board is an itty-bitty tiny piece of what we do. It's less than 1% of what we do, but it has, it has global reach mm-hmm. because of the connectivity with thousands of companies that put their entry and junior-level jobs on there. Totally. I was going to ask, and you mentioned working with family-owned companies and um, you know, we know here in Italy, there are a lot of family-owned wineries, but what are some things that you have noticed when working with family-owned companies for succession planning, for just success in general? What what are some of the ways in which you're working with those types of companies? Well, when you're working with family-owned companies, which we do quite a bit, it's very personal, mm-hmm. you know, and very often there's succession planning, you know, and it's third generation, fourth generation, and Sometimes those family members do or do not want to run the business. And sometimes they do or do not have the skill set to run the business. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And those that are open enough and that are vulnerable enough and that are clear about the type of skill sets required to win globally and in the U.S. specifically, a lot of these international companies might not have right. grown up in the U.S., but they're, they, they've exported their business here. Those that are really open and willing to find best in class leadership to run their commercial business um, here in the U.S., typically end up thriving when they're completely committed and dedicated to building best in class teams. Mm -hmm. Those who try to hold everything for themselves, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. 
but those tend to be smaller family-owned businesses right. where they just prefer to run it, you know, multi-generationally, which is a beautiful thing, you know, if that is your mission. But either way, yeah. no three or four people can run a thriving wine business, right? It requires commercial expertise, marketing expertise, finance expertise, operational expertise, compliance expertise here. And so um, we found that there's a deep desire um, to connect, you know, organizational design sessions, strategy sessions to understand kind of like best in class models and the right ways to do it. And so we have a lot of these conversations with organizations early on and then continuing, you know. Once they've, once they've become multi-hundred million dollar companies, of course. they still want to check in to make sure they're making the right decisions for the business. So really good business leaders continue to grow at a healthy clip. Yeah. So you're seeing success where companies are really looking towards the, the specific skill sets they need and looking but likely beyond the family, but to the experts that they need to make their businesses as successful as it can be. Hundred percent, and there's people that just love working with family-owned businesses. They know they're durable. They know they're multi-generational. They don't. They know they don't require venture capital or private equity. They're going to stay in business. These are EBITDA cash flow businesses, and they like to find a place to work for 15, 20 years and run a great business. Totally. So you got to find someone who's aligned with your mission. Yeah, we talked about stability, right? And I think right now in March of of. 2023, with everything that's been going on recently in the news, with tech, stability is really important, right? And not to be undervalued. So you can see that as another, uh, I would think, for the wine industry and a family-owned business, especially in the wine industry, another real selling point or um, a, a real attracting point for a potential employee, the stability of the business. I can't tell you how many people three years ago, because we have a pretty big thriving cannabis practice, mm-hmm. came to me like, I got to get out of the wine business. You know, I got to get back in cannabis. I want to get to cannabis. That's the next frontier, which by the way, is still going to be an exciting frontier and going to be huge long-term. Yeah. And probably 80% of them have come back and say, gosh, I would love to work for a stable wine. <laughs> really? <laughs> so interesting. With good people that have integrity you know, where I know there's real value creation right, and I don't need right. to become a billionaire. I'm not looking to make $30 million. I just want to work with great people, make a good living and enjoy what I do every day. Well, that's, that's good. Those are good trends for, for us in the wine industry. So, <laughs> um, you know, I have a question. I'm just going to uh, hop down a little bit because I really wanted to talk about this and ask this question. But, you know, as we've seen diversity, equity, inclusion really rise to the forefront of so many conversations, not just in the wine industry, but in general, uh, what does that mean when it comes to recruitment and retention and and building more diverse workforces in the wine industry? It's vital. I mean, diversity of background and culture, gender and thought, they're fundamental in just building winning teams. I think diverse teams are no longer the exception. They're the rule. And, you know, having the ability to build remote workforces has made it easier to recruit um, for more diverse talent pools and build more inclusive organizations. Uh, But the work doesn't end. It's just started. You know, it's a huge priority for us internally at Force Brands and Impactful because we have so many of our partners that ask us for strategic advice and consultation. So we have our own consultative kind of strategist that comes in and works with our team to appropriately advise. But this is, I mean... This is huge. You've got to mirror the structure of you know uh, uh, of your consumers, and your consumers are diverse. You as an organization need to be diverse, and it's just, it, I mean, it, it, it is 
it is factually evident that more diverse organizations are more productive and more profitable. Right. And they retain people better. So it's it, our industry needs to catch up. And there's a lot of people that are deeply committed to it. And we're one of those. But um, it takes a whole community. And I believe that um, totally. there is a there is real alignment with many organizations and actually the whole ecosystem. This is, this is needs to happen and continue to happen. And what are some tips or you know advice you'd give to a company that is looking to bring in a more diverse workforce um, and, and improve in that area? Like what are some things they can do? Invest in it. Yeah. You know, like if you haven't done it to date, chances are you might not have the in-house capabilities to do it or the skill set. Right. Like hire someone to do it, like hire a great consultative team, hire some advisors, hire a full-time, you know, thought leader in the organization to work with you to develop the strategy. I mean, it's like building any other right. strategy or major initiative in your organization. It's not about a post on Instagram. Invest in it seriously and, and devote real resources to it, real mind share. In a meaningful way. I mean, recruiting is the most time-consuming, most costly part of any business, Right. And it, it, it's, you got to recruit and then you got to retain them because if you don't retain them, it gets really. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so if you, so, so you've got to really commit to this, address it and say, Hey, listen, this is, this is what we're going to go on the journey to do together. And we have great thought leadership to help us. And we want everyone to be educated. Yeah. And I believe the more serious you take it, the more serious your organization takes it and you'll be able to attract much better people. Totally. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a really great point. So Talk to us, Josh, what's going on this year for Force Brands? I mean, you have so many exciting ways the company has grown since 2007, but what's on the horizon for this year? So we recently launched Impactful Search, which I mentioned, which is mm-hmm. which it was primarily focused a lot with international companies to building executive boards, leadership teams to run the U.S. market. That is a really exciting platform. We've got a great team running that. Uh, it's an incredible practice led by industry pros. And, um, you know, we're just placing best-in-class leaders. Uh, we also um, have recently launched a new division called Creator Force, which is about um, creator and celebrity-backed brands that have incredible built-in followings. If you think about, if you, think about you know, the Casamigos of the world or the Aviation Gins of the world. Oh, right. They've just, yeah. You know, or the Avalines of the world. We, we've worked with all these companies who realize, there was a real need um, to build a new platform for these creator um, slash celebrity brands where they can continue to create and build the followings that they have because they have built-in communities and bring best-in-class CEOs, COOs, CMOs in place to actually build their businesses, run their organizations, mm-hmm. and grow them in a, in a really significant way. So it's a little bit, it's a new spin on what we've been doing. Interesting. It's called Creator Force, and we are going to be the force behind the creator brands. Very cool. And what do you see that's unique about that space? Like when you look at working with a celebrity-owned brand versus, you know, um, a different brand, like what how, what are the unique things you're looking at when you're helping them build their workforce and their leadership? It's incredible. I mean, you know, it's so much different than just, an, you know, having built a spirits brand from scratch with some other entrepreneurs that had no built-in followings. <laughs> it took us, you know, you know, eight, 10 years to, to get to scale. And you look at someone like, I mean, I'm dating myself, but when Skinny Girl did it with Bethany Frankel, right. think about how quickly that built and scaled, you know, and sold to beam. Look at what Jay-Z did with Ace of Spades and Armand de Brignac, right? I mean, if you if you look at a lot of these brands and the way they've like really grown like 
and scaled quickly. It's because they have organic followings. They don't have to pay for all their customers. Um, they're on Instagram. They're on TikTok. You know, they've got incredible reach. And consumers want to, consumers already believe in what they're doing. And if it's authentically aligned with who they are is a, is a creator, it can be huge. Now, I'm not just talking about influencer partnerships. That's how I'm talking. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about is the creators that are co-founders of the business. Right. Got it. Yeah. That are putting their money where their mouth is to grow the brand. We just did a little piece on um, Calarosa yesterday that we released. Um, we have a, we have an editorial team just focused on creator brands right now. And it's, phenomenal. And we're going to be investing in some of them. Um, another initiative that I just launched, we just created a venture fund that was announced last week called the Family Fund and Founder Community. Oh, interesting. Okay. And it's a venture fund um, cr- created by founders for founder-led brands. So all of our LPs in our fund, um, our limited partners, are founders that have all been through successful um, growth journeys and liquidity events and sold their businesses. And there's 50, about 55 of them. Oh, very cool. And so- we are really proud to say, you know, we're a founder-led fund for founder-led brands, writing checks. We're not leading rounds. We're just co-investing Got it. alongside mm-hmm. other premier private equity and venture capital groups. But I partnered with other people on this because I knew there was a huge opportunity to do it. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. And even if we're not investing, we just want to help these brands get to the other the right people that can invest. Right. Because it's not right for every firm. It's got to be a fit. So we understand how hard it is to be on a founder journey. Having raised capital before, we want to be really helpful, really thoughtful and make sure that worst case, these founders that come to us can get connected to our founders in the ecosystem right. or to other investors that might be the right fit for them and do the right thing and help them grow. And are you focused with that fund in any specific space more than another, cannabis, wine, spirits, or is it is it pretty much spread out throughout all the industries that you touch? It's all the industries that we touch. It's really the consumer brand ecosystem. So okay. beverage, alcohol being one of them, non-alc, beverage. Right. Um, food, beauty, personal care, pet. Um, we will touch cannabis. Um, cool. And then technology um, platforms that support the consumer ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Think about e-commerce enablement, um, payment systems, supply chain automation, um, and you know, fintech, insurance tech platforms that support the consumer ecosystem. So my partners come from, one comes from big tech background, the other one built Vital Proteins, which sold to Nestle. And so- we kind of have broad reach, but it's not about me. It's about the founder community, and we've got a great investment committee. Exciting! So it's really cool. We're yeah, we're you know you can't invest in everything, but you can sure give yeah. people the time and support and help them find the right partners for them. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, there's so much we could talk about. We didn't even talk about non-elk, which is such a big space. But um, we are winding down on our time, and I want to make sure we get to our little rapid fire quiz that we do at the end of each of these episodes where we just review our key takeaways. I mean, you shared some really valuable information and tips that I think are really important for businesses to hear. So we're going to do our uh, rapid fire quiz, three questions, and please try to answer in um, one sentence or less as to the best of your ability. So here we go. Number one, what do wineries need to do to attract the most talented workforce? Be yourself, be transparent, and provide real growth opportunities for your team within so they want to stick around for a long time. Share your vision. I love that. Yep. Uh, Number two, what norms shifted most significantly for the workforce post-pandemic? Tech enablement at your fingertips, remote work, and a lot of investment capital is now available in the wine and spirits space. 
from venture capital and private equity. Very exciting. And number three, what three things are the most important right now to the workforce? Great leadership, healthy culture, transparency, and fair compensation. That's four. All right. That's four. That's okay. <laughs> but that's uh, those are all so important. So we'll have to include all of them. Thank you so much, Josh, for being here today. Really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join us on the Masterclass US Wine Market on the Italian Wine Podcast. Uh, and thanks for sharing all your thoughts and insights. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. And I really appreciate the invitation and look forward to staying in close, close touch. But thank you for the hospitality. Thanks again, Josh. Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass US Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.